Turn to John 13, please, this morning, and let's look at our golden text that we've looked at numerous times. In the past uh, weeks and months, we've been on a series for some time now on the Sunday mornings about the love of God. The love of God. How many believe that's a vitally important subject? doesn't get much more important than that. It is the New Testament command, as we'll read in just a minute. And when you're talking about love, who are you talking about? God, for God is love. You know, it'd help you in reading through the, the Scriptures. And, of course, uh, all faith life people read their chapter every day, Monday through Friday, <coughs> in the New Testament. Is that right? Every faith life person. And we'll start uh, Monday on, what is it, John 18? Is that right? John 18, I believe it is. And so um, if you hadn't been hooked up with us, get hooked up. Serious Christians read their Bible. No such thing as somebody that's really a serious Christian and go all year and don't pick up a Bible. Did you hear me? That's not a serious Christian. I didn't say you weren't saved, but you sure ain't walking with God very good. Did you hear me? You're not, you're not very, you, you must be real carnal. Have to be. You, you can't go for months and months and months and no word and not feed your spirit and be spiritual. You can't. Serious Christians read their Bible. Serious Christians pray daily. Amen. Don't be religious about it. Don't be traditional about it. Don't be ritualistic about it. Just talk to God. Amen. Let Him talk to you. Don't have to be kneeling. Don't have to have your hands folded. Just talk to God. Right? In the bed, in the kitchen, on the yard, at the the job, in the car, everywhere. Just talk to God. Let Him talk to you. Serious Christians go to church. Now, you obviously believe in going to church. You're here. Huh? But there's a lot of folks that don't. They think, well, I've had, I don't know several people in this city since I've been here. So, well, you know, I don't go to church, but I I feel like I can be just as good a Christian as anybody. Just worshiping the Lord by myself at my house. Or I get close to God in nature. Well, that's all great and good, and you should. I like getting close to God in nature. It's wonderful. But the Scripture said not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And serious Christians take Jesus seriously and obey the Word. Amen. Amen. And we need to, we should come together. We require having our spirit fed. We require having our vision fed. And we are to provoke each other, like we studied last week, to good works. I'm to hear about what God did for you and go, whoo, I got to stir up. Huh? Right? You're to hear about what God did for us and go, man, i got to step it up a notch. Right? I have to say, well, I've got to watch out. Dr. Fry will outgive me. <laughs> got to step it up. Right? Or more will have better, better car faith than I do or whatever. And it's not a competition. It's a friendly provoking unto higher levels. Yes. It's not going, huh, huh, I'm better than you. It's not, come on, let's go up together. Amen. Amen. No holier than thou. It's just let's let's come on up. 
and demonstrate to each other that there's more to receive and we can have a bigger vision. Well, that's that's vision, that's faith, but all this faith works by what? Love. So you wondered how I was going to get back to my text, didn't you? The Lord helps me out. John, John, now see, I didn't have to tell you that, but I, I did. John 13, 34. Are you there? If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, maybe you got five at the house, but you came off without one and you'd like to borrow a Bible, we have extras. Hold up your hand. If you say, yeah, Brother Keith, I'd like to borrow one of your Bibles. Hold up your hand if you don't have one and let us loan you one today. And look with us at these scriptures. They'll just register on you better if you'll take the time, make the effort, turn to them, and read for yourself. So if you didn't bring a Bible, you'd like to use one, wave your hand. Don't be embarrassed. I've come off without my Bible before too. So John 13, 34. Are you there? Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, by this loving each other as He's loved us, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So according to Jesus, what is the outstanding mark of the real disciple of Christ? It's... Well, let's be specific now. Like he said, it is love, but it's specifically what? It's us loving each other. Now, this is, this is not specifically talking about us loving the world. We are to love the world and reach out to the world. But the, the New Testament commandment is for me to love my fellow Christian. Did you hear? And he said this would be... A, the, the indication and witness to everybody that sees it that we're real Christians, that something has happened in us the way we treat each other. That's why the devil works overtime, trying to get churches to split and fuss and fight, churches to fight each other, Christians to fight each other because it undermines our witness to the world. He didn't say by our talking in tongues or by our long prayer sessions or by our fish signs on the back of our car or by our crosses that we wear, our scriptures that we quote, everybody would know we're Christians. Right? What did Jesus say? By what? By me loving you and you loving me. Now, even when you say the word love, me loving you, The devil has worked so hard to confuse people about love until it has a wrong connotation in people's minds. A lot of uh, men, and some women too, don't even like to use that word love. They think it sounds mushy and and weak. Me loving you. Folk don't like the sound of that. God is love. Love is not a feeling. Love is a person. Did you hear me? And love, like faith, is expressed in action. Love is doing something for people. I mean, so much of the world thinks that people say, I I love you, I need you. They think that's love. That's not divine love. That's not the God kind of love. That's self-love. When you say, I love you, I need you, you just got through saying you love yourself. Did you hear me? Think about it. Now, if you say, I I love you, 
I need you. Teenagers, listen to me. Are you awake? Teenagers, listen. Boyfriends, girlfriends, pressuring you, pulling on you. I love you. I need you. That doesn't mean they love you. When they say, I need you, I can't live without you. I need you. That, that does not give you one indication that they love you. Did you hear me? I need you. I can't live without you. They're telling you they love their self. And they love because they love their self so much, it makes them happy that you make them happy. They love the way you make them feel. They love what you do for them because they love them. And if you quit doing it for them and when the thrill is gone, they don't love you no more. If you're not doing it for them anymore, if you're not making them feel wonderful anymore, then they don't, they don't love you. They never did love you. Divine love is not based on how you make me feel or what you can do for me. God loved us while we were yet His enemies. We weren't giving Him warm and fuzzies. We weren't doing anything for Him. And He loved us before we knew Him, before we loved Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen. Died for us. Paid the price for us, saved us, redeemed us while we were still His enemies. Now that's love. That's divine love. Not what the world calls love. Go with me please to 1 Corinthians 13 and let's look at a a vital characteristic of this God love. We have for weeks been talking about letting God love us. Receiving the love of God, believing and receiving the love of God. We talked about how you can't give love if you won't receive love. If this, some of these things are strange to you, tapes are available. It might help you to hear them. You, the scripture said, you know, Jesus said that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. Well, what if you don't love yourself? What if you don't even like yourself? See, that's why people commit suicide. Why would you kill yourself? What well, same reason you'd kill somebody else? You hate them. Did you hear me? Yes. The reason you'd kill yourself is because you hate yourself. Why else would you want to kill yourself? And it's so sad because, you see, even young people commit suicide. And a lot of times it's because they lost a boyfriend, lost a girlfriend, and they just can't go on. Life's not worth living. And, and just don't have a clue that if they could just cast their care on the Lord and, and just, yeah, you got the feelings, yeah, you got to deal with them, but just make it another day that you would have a piece of chocolate cake and, and some cold milk and just feel different in the morning Amen. and meet somebody new next week and in three years not even remember it. Yeah. But today I can't go on. Somebody said, yeah, that's the way it is with teenagers. That's the way it is with 50-year-olds, too. Did you hear me? No matter what age you are, don't let anything look to you so overwhelming to think, I can't go on. Listen, God is still on the throne. And as long as there's breath, there's hope. Amen. Nothing's impossible with Him and to those that believe. Nothing. You know... uh, 
I'm a pilot, and the Lord's blessed me to be able to fly, and it helps us in our ministry tremendously. And I got thrown into the, the thick of flying early on. I was flying a little single engine. And next thing I know, I had a jet. And I went straight from single engine to a mid-sized jet, just like that. I went to one of the best schools in the world to learn how to do it, and it was, it was almost overwhelming. If it hadn't have been for the Lord, I wouldn't have made it. But they put you in the simulator. And, and after several days of this, some of the other pilots, they were professionals. I mean, I had 300 hours. They had 3,000 and 5,000 hours. And we're standing around, and one of them said, I know what this is. I said, what? He said, it's pilot hell. <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, you, 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 you die, and you wake up in the sim, and everything goes wrong, and then it starts over again, and it goes over again. He said, this is pilot hell. We felt like it. We're standing there looking at each other with our eyes bloodshot. Because you'd get in there, and it'd make stuff. you'd take off, and you'd lose an engine. And then something would catch on fire. And in your wings would ice up. <laughs> and you think you just about made it in. You can see the airport and everything just goes black. <laughs> Can't see a thing. And, and there were times, especially in my inexperience, that I felt like, man, I just might as well just throw up my hands and go, just stop. Would you quit? Stop. Would you stop? <laughs> But in real life, you can't do that, can you? So I would bite my lip, and and I would say, just hold on a little longer. Just hold on. Just don't quit. Stay with it. I mean, you're flying about 50 feet off the ground. One engine is dead, and and you're dragging. And and here's a a monument up in front of a building that you've got to try to get around. And it looks like, I ain't going to make it, but just don't quit. Stay with it. And, And again and again, we pulled out. Again and again, we made it. We just keep on and say, all right, now what do we do? Where's the checklist? Run the checklist. All right, take your time. Don't, don't, don't get rattled. Just stay with it. The engine's on fire. Yeah, yeah. If it burns off, it'll fall off. It'll be that less, that much less weight for the airplane to carry. Just, just, <laughs> I, I had a guy beside me one time. He said, the engine's on fire. I said, I know it. Run the checklist. He said, yeah, but the, I said, run the checklist. Because if you panic and if you quit, you give up, you know what's going to happen. Did you hear me? If you just turn loose to the oak and go, I'm dead. (laughs) Then you're dead. But how many know, hold on to that thing. Stay with it. Keep working the problem. Keep staying with it. And what we're talking about is basic faith. You keep expecting to come out. You keep expecting to. To, something's going to happen. We're going to see what to do. Well, when you feel like giving up, when you, if you feel like taking your life or whatever, it's a lie. Amen. Fly the plane. Yeah. Don't quit. Amen. Everybody say, fly the plane. Fly the plane. Stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with it. Work, work the problem and believe God. Believe God that some way, somehow, it's going to work out. Next thing you know, another day will have passed. And a do- another day, and you'll feel a little, little better. Amen. Don't look so bad as it used to look. Don't feel so bad. And the week passes and you get stronger and you get freer and time can pass. How many believe all things are possible to him that believes? Then that means it's possible to get to the place where that whole thing is just like a bad dream that happened to somebody else a long time ago. 
Because your life is so good now. Are you with me? Some, someone, several someones need to hear that this morning. How many received that and say, I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to give up. <clears throat> I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to do what I'm put here to do. God gives me victory. He always causes me to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor say, fly the plane. Stay with it. Amen. Stay with it. Are you in 1 Corinthians 13? Y'all don't mind hearing a pilot story once in a while, do you? Pilots are interesting creatures. They never get tired talking about flying. <laughs> First Corinthians 13. Are you there? Let's read this passage, and I want to focus on one thing. I have written down some other, uh, some definitions actually. <clears throat> And excerpts from other translations of 1 Corinthians 13. Because it describes to us the character, the actions and reactions of divine love. Starting in verse 4, he tells us what love is, does, says, responds. Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers and puts up with and endures long and is patient and kind. Everybody say out loud, that's God and that's me. This love has been shed abroad in your and my heart by the Holy Ghost, right? Is this how you operate? Huh? Don't say I have no patience. If you've said it, don't say it again. No need having your words working against yourself. Say it out loud, I suffer long. I'm patient, and I'm kind. Amen. That's all you say about yourself. No matter what you feel or what you've done, just say that about yourself only. He goes on to say love or charity. He said envies not. It vaunts not itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. Now, that's verse 5. This is what I want to get to. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. Others say love doesn't behave itself improperly or unseemly. It is never rude, unmannerly, or indecent. Everybody say God God. and I I. are never rude. rude. Hmm? Is God rude? Are you rude? Ever? That was weak. I'm not talking about your past. We're talking about our present and our future. We're talking about our faith. Even if it doesn't seem that way, faith calls those things that be not as though they were. That's how you get them changed. Love doesn't behave itself improperly. You must say, well, I'm sorry. I just got mad. I just wasn't feeling good. And I just got upset. And I just lost my cool. I'm sorry. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Did you hear me? It hurts your witness. You can quote dozens of scriptures and turn around and act rude to somebody and it undermines everything you just said. 
Because if it's reality to what you're telling them, they ought to be able to see it in your life. Hmm? In freedom from sin, in control over your mouth, control over your temper, control over your feelings. Right? If you can't control your feelings, why do they want to be like you? Why do they want to receive your Jesus? Why do they want to receive your salvation if you don't have any more control and power and freedom in your life than they do in theirs? Right? Everybody smile. It's okay. Huh? Say all things are possible to him that believeth. Can you change? Every one of us should be changing every day. Right? Don't ever say, some people say, well, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You're not an old dog. You're a new creature. Right? And if we are growing in the Lord, we are ever changing. Right? People who are not changing are not growing. Those, Those who are growing are changing from grace to grace, from faith to faith, from glory to glory into what? Christ-likeness. To say I don't need to change is to say I'm 100% exactly like the Lord today, right now, in every way. Well, that ain't true about you, and that ain't true about me, which means we must change. How many in here must change? Every one of us must change, right? We're growing means we're changing, becoming less carnal, more spiritual. Less ungodly, more like the Lord. And we ought to be a lot more like the Lord at the end of the year than before. Year before. Right? And in five years, the Lord tarries His coming, we ought to be a lot more like Jesus than we are now. What's our goal? Just like Jesus, that if people see us, they've seen the Lord. That's not too high. That's not too far. That's what He's called us to. He said, He, 1 John 2, 6, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. That's the prize, the high calling. Love doesn't behave itself unseemly. It's not rude. It's not unmannerly. Now here, get this phrase. It seeks not her own. Did you get that? Seeks not her own. Now this is one of the big reason I'm talking about this today. This is one of the big indicators of how well you and I are doing in walking in love, in keeping the New Testament commandment, in loving each other. Selfishness seeks its own. Love seeks another's benefit. Did you hear that? Love doesn't seek its own. It's not selfish. It doesn't insist on its own way or rights. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily provoked. It's not touchy. It's not irritable. It's not quick to take offense. It thinks no evil. It doesn't keep a score or account of wrongs done to it. It hardly notices when someone does it wrong. Love doesn't think about what you can do for me. So we already started talking about that in the the beginning when people say, I love you, I need you. No, selfishness is always thinking about and meditating on what others could or should do for me. 
Real love, divine love, is meditating on what I can and should do for others. Just these two, two separate mindsets can make a complete difference in your life from you being miserable to you being full of joy. Selfishness is always thinking about what other people should do for me. And is always down about what other people didn't do for me. Did you hear me? They didn't, they didn't do that for me. They weren't there for me. They didn't help me. They didn't support me. They should have done this for me. They could have done this for me. That will make you miserable. That will ruin your relationships. That will destroy your vision. It will undermine your faith. Love is not thinking about that. Divine love is thinking about what can I do for them? What should I be doing for them? How can I help them? Well, I see we're going to have fun today. Well, let's go to the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 10. Just back up a couple of pages. Are you there? How many love the Word? How many love God? How many want to please God? What's going to please Him? Faith pleases Him. We know that. And we know that keeping His commandment pleases Him. What is His commandment? To love each other. And here is a big indicator of how well we're doing on that. How much are we thinking about what others should do for us versus how much are we thinking about what we can do for, for them? Kind of reminds you of what uh, JFK said years ago. What did he say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And, and a lot of people rallied behind that. Why? Because that's more than just a, a natural thought. Huh? Don't ask, you know, what your wife can do for you. Husbands, what can you do for your wife? Wives, don't ask, what can my husband do for me? Well, he's not doing this or he's not doing that. She's not doing that. People focusing on others, that's judging. Judging them and not being a doer yourself. Y'all going to help me with this this morning or you just want to watch and see what I do? I'm telling you how to get free. Anybody interested in being free? There's a reason why people are miserable in their life. There's a reason why people don't have the success and freedom that they should. Faith is the key to victory. Overcoming every obstacle in the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. But our faith works by love. And this kind of love, a big indicator of it, it doesn't seek its own. It's not seeking its own. 1 Corinthians 10, are you there? 1 Corinthians 10 and 24. He said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's. Wealth. Actually, wealth is added by the translator, so it just means another's. Don't seek your own, your own what? Well, your own stuff, your own things, what you want, what you think you need. But seek 
other peoples what they need and want. Everybody say amen. amen. Let no man. How many believe we ought to act on the scripture? Huh? Then when you wake up in the morning, what should you be thinking about? What I want. What I want to do. What I need. What I'd like for somebody to do for me. Huh? I mean, examine so many folk that are upset. Why are they upset? Because somebody didn't do something for them. That they thought should have happened. So they get down. They get upset. I have a simple motto I've practiced for years, and it keeps me happy. Huh? It's this. When it comes to me expecting other people to do things for me, now I'm expecting things to happen. Big time. I'm expecting God to do things, and I know He's going to use people. I don't know who it is, and I don't have to know and don't have to look and try to find out. But when it comes to me looking at people and expecting them to do things for me, this is my motto. Expect nothing. Be thankful for everything. And it keeps me happy. If people don't do something, I'm not uh, disappointed because I wasn't expecting them to. If they do do it, I'm pleasantly surprised. Keeps me happy. Now, I'm expecting things to happen, but you understand what I mean by that? As far as me looking at people and expecting them, certain people or anybody, to do a certain thing for me, I don't let myself do that. Everybody say, expect nothing. Appreciate everything. That'll keep you happy. Huh? Somebody said, well, so-and-so didn't do that for you. Well, I wasn't expecting them to. I stay happy. Then when somebody did do something for you, you go, wow, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> huh? Hallelujah. Say it again. Expect nothing. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about expect nothing, period. I'm talking about expect nothing from people. Looking, at, We are expecting things. But as far as looking at people, expect nothing. Be thankful for everything. Turn over to the uh, uh, Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians chapter 2. Now, I know sometimes people would rather hear something else than this. But, you know, you need more than just ice cream and potato chips in your diet. You need turnip greens, cauliflower, broccoli, cornbread. (laughs) Not just ice cream and potato chips all the time. Uh, <clears throat> Philippians 2 and uh, 19 he said I'm going to send Timothy to you and he said verse 20 I have no man like minded minded like myself who will naturally care for your state why verse 21 why for all seek their own, and not the things which are Jesus Christ. He said everybody seeks their own. And in the world, that really is so, isn't it? Everybody is wanting what helps them. Wanting something from me. 
I want you to go with me over to the book of, uh, let's see, I got it wrote down here. Um, this is in Kings. Uh, no, it's, it's in, um, yeah, First Kings, the 21st chapter, First Kings 21, and notice something. We gave you this advice. I don't know months ago, but it'll bear repetition. This is this will be without a doubt some of the best counseling advice you'll ever get. I know that's a huge statement, but it is. The reason I know is because I took it from myself years ago, and it's just a fact. No matter what happens in life, no matter <clears throat> who does or doesn't do with you for you, no matter what things you go through or experience, never. Ever, ever, never, at any time, any way, any place, for any reason, never, ever, ever feel sorry for yourself. Amen. Did you get that? It will cripple you. It will cripple you spiritually. It will devastate your relationships. Did you hear me? Because people get into this thing about what somebody owes me. And nothing could be further from grace. Nothing could be further from truth. Did you hear me? Said out loud, never, never, ever, 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 ever for any reason, for any reason under, any circumstances, under any circumstances, at any time, at any time feel, sorry feel sorry for yourself. For yourself. Never. never. Is there ever a justifiable reason? Is there ever a case where a Christian has gone through stuff where, hey, they got a right to be sorry for this? They, they got a right to feel sorry. Is there ever that situation? No. Never. There is never. No matter what you've been through, if you want to come out, you best not yield to it. Amen. Did you hear me? Yes. <clears throat> you know, you're in 1 Kings 21, aren't you? Is that what it is? Yes. Don't turn to these others, but listen, this kind of gives you the, the idea uh, over in 1 Samuel 22, don't turn there, just listen. Uh, you know, when Saul was king, how many remember Saul? He started off pretty good, but he got off. Got off bad and wound up, I mean, devil-possessed. How did he get that way? Listen, in the middle of the situation where David was working for him, he got mad one day and he looked at the whole bunch of them. He said, what is wrong with you? He said, uh, Nobody has shown me that my son has made a league with the son of Jesse, and there's none of you that is sorry for me. Did you hear that? There's none of you that feels sorry for me. He was mad. He felt hurt. Why am I telling you this? How did he get demon-possessed? This is part of how he opened his heart and life to this. God is not in depression. Did you hear me? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, what is depression then? That's your weakness. Is God in depression? What if you're in depression? Well, what are you in? Who is that? Depression is real, isn't it? It's tangible. It's real. 
When you're in depression, you're full of depression, what are you in if it's not God? I'm telling you how people open up their life to the devil. How they get full, how they get destroyed. Can you hear it in his voice? None of you are sorry for me. You knew what was going on. Not a one of you feels sorry for me. Why should they? He's full of the devil. He's mean. Should anybody feel sorry for you? That's pretty weak. Do you want anybody to feel sorry for you? No. Let me give you another chance at that. Do you want people to feel sorry for you? No. That's better. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me. Let's believe God and come out. If, if there's a lot of problems, if there's some bad stuff going on, me and you laying down and crying is not going to help a thing. Yeah. Fly the plane. Not going to turn loose with the controls and grab your hand and go, this is it, brother. We're going to, I'm going to fly that thing till there ain't nothing left to fly. How many know what I'm talking about? You stay with it. We're going to walk this walk, this faith walk. And having done all to stand, going to keep standing, keep walking, keep taking the step, and never cast away our confidence. And what the Bible say, He will always cause us to triumph. He said, not a one of you feel sorry for me. I'm, I'm showing you how people let the devil in. Do you want people to feel sorry for you? No. No, you don't. You want people to treat you pitifully. Oh, bless your heart. You're so pitiful. Huh? That makes you want to say, get away. <laughs> Either believe or leave. <laughs> Another one said this over, uh, Jacob said, you know, when he had lost Joseph and then they kept Simeon, he said, he said, and you're going to take Benjamin away too? He said, all these things are against me. Did you hear that? Yeah. All these things are against me. Sounds like everything's against me. Everybody's against me. Everything's against me. And nobody feels sorry for me. Nobody knows. <laughs> That's how... You lose your friends. Amen. I'm telling you. Yeah. That's how you lose your job. Yep. Why can you get like that? You, you'll lose your, your vim, vigor, and vitality. You'll lose your vision. You'll come to your job and punch your clock. Clunk. Drag around. Don't nobody appreciate me no how. Have you ever asked yourself, what is there to appreciate? Nobody cares if I come to church or not. Should we? What do you contribute? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about what do you bring to the table? You bring faith. You bring some prayer. People look at you like you slapped them when you talk like that. Well, 
but I thought church is, well, you, you might read the Bible again. <laughs> We're supposed to bring something to the table. Amen. Amen. Not just come and plop down and go, do something for me. I'm pitiful, help me. <laughs> Feel sorry for me. Now, one reason I'm, I'm describing these things is because it is impossible for you to be a man or woman of faith and be like this. Amen. You cannot be full of faith and feel sorry for yourself. Right. Impossible. The Lord gave me this phrase years ago, and I've quoted it over the years. I'll, I'll give it to you again. Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Let me say it again. Think about it. What does doubt do? Doubt despairs, complains, and is sad. Well, what if you're down and complaining, griping, depressed? Well, I don't care if you made a good confession this morning. You're not in faith. I don't care how many people prayed for you. You're not in faith. Faith does what? Rejoices. Huh? Faith can look at a great big pile of bills on the table and shout. Huh? Oh, you feel like crying? You feel like laying down and saying, Y'all pray for me. I'm pitiful. That's how you go under. Faith will stand up and go, Oh, mountain of bills? Be thou removed. None of these things move me. God's come through for me again and again and again and again. He's never let me down. He's never failed me and He never will. The money's on the way. I'm a giver. And because I am, people give to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. It's coming to me from every side. We'll pay every bill. We'll come out of this. God will get the glory. And then smile. Amen. That's faith. Faith is not weak. Faith is not sad. Faith is not a griper. Faith is not talking about what you didn't do for me. What you should have done for me. What they could have done for me. I could have been something. If that have helped me. But nobody would. Nobody would help me. Are you in First Kings? Here's somebody that had that problem. First Kings 21, are you there? It came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. His property joined Ahab's royal properties. And Ahab spoke to Naboth, and he said, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it's near to my house. And I'll give you for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seemed good to you, I'll give you the worth of it in money. And Naboth said, uh, No. The Lord forbid it me. Not just no, but the Lord said I can't do it. That I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you, 
Because actually, I guess Numbers 36, I think it was, he told them they couldn't do that. They're supposed to keep it in the family. Ahab came to his house. What? What? Heavy. What does it mean, heavy? Heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and he turned away his face and he would eat no bread. (laughs) Bless his heart. No. Uh Uh-uh. Poor thing. What's he doing? Pouting. Exactly right. Anybody know what pouting is? Huh? Technically, pouting is to thrust the lips out in a sign of extreme displeasure and to saul. To saul. To saul means to be silently resentful. pitiful for a grown man or woman to act like that, isn't it? But it happens every day. Somebody don't get their way. So next thing. What's wrong? Nothing. Silent treatment. <coughs> Everything okay? It's all right. Why, somebody didn't do what they wanted them to do. Now listen to this. People get it in their minds. They sit at their house, and they lay in their bed, and they drive in their car, and they get this thing in their mind of what somebody ought to do for me. And they got it all built up about what these people are supposed to do for me. And then if it doesn't happen, ooh. Pout time, sulk time, go to bed, not talk to people. Friend, that's as carnal as you can get. You understand? That is so carnal. (laughs) Whether I do it or whether you, I don't care who does it, it's carnal. Everybody said out loud, don't pet powders. Don't pet powders. Telling us, straighten up. Get with the program. And nobody owes them anything. Did you hear me? So we got a whole generation of folk that have come up. And they think everybody owes them something. Government owes them something. The employer owes them something. Public owes them something. Everybody owes them something. They come to work and got their big cup of coffee and they find out, oh, you want me to work too. (laughs) They think people just owe them a check. Just owe them a pay. Just owe them. What do people owe you? 
Are you sure about that? What do they? What does God owe you? The answer is nothing. Did you hear me? Everything we've got in God, we've got not on our works, not on our merit, but by His grace. If He owed it to us, it ain't by grace. Right? Which means He doesn't owe us salvation. He doesn't owe us healing. Yeah, but I've been a good Christian. I've worked through I don't care how hard you worked. He owes you nothing based on your works. I'm a good prayer and I bake cakes and pies. and Well, that's all good, honey. But he doesn't owe you a thing because of that. He gives you your next breath. Your next heartbeat. He makes the sun shine and the world turn. He created this thing. He sustains it every millisecond. He owes you nothing. We owe him our existence. Amen. The Lord said this to me years ago. He said, you can't be gracious to people who feel they deserve it. God can't be. We can't be. If people feel they deserve a thing, what does it mean to deserve something? Hmm? I wrote down the definition, I believe. It's deserve (coughs) to be worthy of something, to merit it, to rate it, to have it coming. People think, well, that's, that's the least they could do for me. I'm so-and-so. I've seen people act so ugly. <laughs> that's the least they could do. I'm so Do you know who I am? <laughs> who are you? Tell us who you are. Tell us. You're nothing without Jesus. And we don't owe you a thing. And God doesn't owe you anything. But we owe everybody love. Is that right? We owe people love. Well, that means they owe me love too. That's not for you to think about. I said that's not for you to think about. Now listen what happened. How Ahab got so messed up. He's laying in the bed. Got his lips poked out. They brought him something to eat. No, he's hungry. Ain't nothing wrong with him. (laughs) Except what? He had it all built up in his head. He wants this piece of land over here. He's going to plant it and do this stuff to it and fix it up. He's got it all figured out. And he knows, well, yeah, sure. He'll either, you know, uh, trade it for another piece of land or he'll just sell it to me. And then when he says no, he goes... That's my plan. That's what you're supposed to do. And when the person didn't do what he thought they were supposed to do for him, he gets all upset. He's laying there pouting, and here comes his ungodly wife. (coughs) Jezebel. And she came and said, baby, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? What's she doing? Is she petting powders? Baby, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? Why you won't eat nothing? What's wrong with you? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't somebody pouting on you. Don't do it. 
A lot of times people will pout and wait for you to come to them. Let them wait. Don't reward pouting if it's in a three-year-old or a 40-year-old. Well, we're having church this morning, ain't we? You either like it or you don't, but here it is. We got to grow up. The Lord told us, He said, I'm growing this church up quickly. Didn't He tell How are we going to do that? It's going to take stuff like this. Huh? I don't want to be a baby all my life. Phyllis and I, the other day, were at a restaurant. There was this little guy, little bitty guy. How old would he have been? 18 months, maybe. He was beating his hands on, on the table. And I looked, I said, wonder what he's thinking about. I told her, she said, I guarantee it's about himself. He's only thinking about what he wants, how he feels, if he's uncomfortable, right? That's all babies think about. And that's normal because they're babies. But it's not supposed to be normal for an adult, right? We're not supposed to just think about what we want. And if we're unhappy, everybody's going to be unhappy. Well, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, mama needs to get sanctified. Mama needs to grow up. I didn't intend to say all this this morning. Anybody that if they're unhappy, everybody around them is going to be unhappy? That's ungodly. It's ungodly. Mama ought to be thinking about other people besides what, how things affect her. Daddy ought to be thinking about other people than beside how things affect him. Amen. The kids ought to be thinking about other people. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Divine love doesn't seek its own. It seeks another's benefit. Amen. Love seeks not its own. She said, oh, baby, what's wrong with you? He said, I asked Naboth for his vineyard, and I told him I'd give him money for it, I'd give him another, and he said he wouldn't do it. She said, well, now hold on, baby. Ain't you the king? You the king, baby, you the king. What do you mean? You get on up from there and eat you something. Uh, Jezebel will take care of this for you. Don't you worry about it. He knew what she was up to. Took his seal. Set up false witnesses. Had them set Naboth up and lie on him and bring false charges. Had him convicted. Had him executed. Is that devilish? How'd it start? Where'd the door come open? Where did this start? Somebody pouting. Oh, friends, teach your little children how important this is. Teach your teenagers how. Don't don't let them run in there and slam the door and sit up in that room and sulk for all day. That's not okay. That's unacceptable. Well, they're just teenagers. They don't have to go through that. Nobody has to be that way. Three or 13 or 95. Nobody is supposed to yield to the devil. 
This is yield. Can you see how clear this is? Yielding to the devil. Yielding to sin. Letting this come in. It's not okay to shut the door and pull the shades and put a cool cloth on your head and lay in there and sulk for days. Have a headache because you're feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, the further you go, the darker it gets. You'll just go down, 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 and you'll have your bedroom full of demons because you invited them in. And you, you bask in that stuff long enough, that's when these hateful things start happening. People start planning these ungodly things, backbiting and lying and stealing, even murder. How did it start? Somebody did me wrong. Somebody didn't do for me what they should have done. Thinking about what somebody should have done for me. Everybody say ungodly. Don't pet powders. You say, boy, get up from there. I'm so glad my folks had some sense. Huh? They wouldn't let me pout. Are you kidding? Whew. I tried it a time or two. And after the spankings and after all the work, I decided that's a bad idea. It ain't worth it. Poking your lips out is not worth what happens later. Huh? They taught me to be thankful, not be a powder. I don't care what's going on in your life, what somebody didn't do for you. You got a lot to be thankful for. I said, you got a lot to be thankful for. I could, I could stand up this morning. I could have sulked last night and tried to think about what people didn't do for me. It's rain. It's okay. There's been some people, you know, that weren't there for me at times. There have been some people that let me down, talked about me, backstabbed me. But why waste a good day being depressed over that when I've got you guys? Huh? I mean, I got you. We got each other. You're wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Huh? All the people that have supported us, have believed in us, have prayed. I mean, it's insulting to them for me to let three people do me wrong and go into a cloud of depression and forget about all the scores and hundreds of thousands that have done me right. How ignorant would that be? Same with you. Right? Maybe somebody did do you wrong. Maybe somebody wasn't there for you. Maybe they did let you down. What about all the people that have been there for you? Huh? What about mama? (laughs) What about grandpa and grandma? What about the people that have loved you, that did do something for you? Think about that. And push the other out of your mind. Amen. Be positive and not negative. Love God. Love people. Let me see if I can close here now. Go to Matthew 18. Well, go to, go to Matthew 16 on the way. It's just right on the way. Matthew 16. Is this okay today? Yes. You had me wondering for a minute there. <laughs> we don't pet powders, do we? We don't pout ourselves, do we? Mm-mm. Too, much good, too many good things going on for us to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. Said out loud, I don't allow myself... To meditate, to meditate 
on what others should do for me. I meditate on what I can do for God and others. Now that will change your life if you'll do it. It will change your life. You'll be a happy person instead of a depressed person. Amen. You'll be up. Glory to God. Matthew 16. You know, even Jesus himself was tempted in the same area. Now, probably every one of us in this room have missed it, getting down, feeling sorry for ourselves. I won't say probably. Every one of us (laughs) at some point of time have sat around and thought on the wrong thing, talked about the wrong thing, and got down, got to mully grubs. Jesus was tempted in all points just like us, yet without sin. He never he was tempted to do the same thing, but he didn't yield to it. Proving you don't have to yield to it. You don't have to give in. Look at this right here, you'll see a good example. Jesus had asked his disciples, he said, Who do people say I am? And they said, Some this, some that, and Peter said, You're the Christ, Son of the Living God. This is Matthew sixteen, seventeen now. He said, You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, the Father did. And skip down to verse twenty one. From that time forth, this is Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to to show to his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. That doesn't sound too good, does it? And Peter took him, he took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. How many know he is out of his place? This is presumption big time. Presumption means overstepping boundaries, right? I mean, he got no business telling Jesus what to do here, but he, but he is. He rebuked him and he said, be it far from you, Lord, this shall not be to you. And the margin of my Bible says, the Greek says, pity thyself. Pity thyself. He said, oh, no, no, no. No, pity thyself. And you see one of the strongest responses out of Jesus here, don't you? Huh? What did he turn around and say? I mean, he turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You savor the things, not the things that be of God, but the things, those that are of men. And the Greek says, thinkest. You think Not on the things of God, but you're thinking on and savoring the things of men. I can go longer because y'all not in a rush to get out. I had had an idea. (laughs) Not necessarily. Jesus, though he was the Son of God... He emptied himself of his divine weight and power and glory and became like other men, Philippians says. And he was tempted, Hebrews said, in all points, just like us. And you notice something how the enemy works. The enemy will try sometimes to work through people very close to you. Did you see that? To get you to feel sorry for yourself. Jezebel was close to Ahab. Peter is close to Jesus. 
And, and Peter's used of God just a few verses earlier. He's heard from the Holy Ghost. And I guess he let that go to his head. He got to thinking, I can hear from God. And then Jesus says about all these things that are going to happen to him. And Peter says, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh, no. Pity yourself, Lord. No, that's a bad thing. Ooh, no, that can't happen to you. When you sense any of that kind of thing trying to work on you to get you to feel sorry for yourself, you better stand up on both feet on the inside and say, I rebuke you, Satan. I got nothing to feel sorry for myself about. I'm saved. I got the Holy Ghost. I got the name of Jesus. Healing belongs to me. Prosperity is mine. The mind of Christ is mine. I'm graced and anointed and appointed and empowered. Amen? Amen. Whoo! Resist it with everything that's within you, realizing your life is in the balance. Your relationships are in the balance. Realizing the devil is knocking at the door. Friend, I think you're seeing it, but let me give you another illustration. See how potent and terrible this door is. In the beginning, Adam and Eve, the, the creation was perfect, and they fell. And then they had the boys, you know, Cain and Abel. And you remember Cain and Abel come to bring their offerings before the Lord? And uh, Cain's was not acceptable. And what happened next? Huh? Sulking, wasn't it? He is over on the side somewhere. Yeah, he just likes uh, Abel better. Abel's his little favorite. Yeah, he come in bringing that little fluffy sheep in there. And oh, yeah, Abel's, Abel, Abel. Fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. Everybody knows who fluffy is, don't you? I mean, fluffy. Hebrews tells us that, he, that Abel gave his first and his best in Genesis and Hebrews, so had to be fluffy. And see, this will tell a lot about you. When God promotes somebody, when He uses them, He accepts what they do and blesses it. If you start going, yeah, 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 well, I guess so. I mean, if I had that, I could do that too. Well, you're going down the tubes. Huh? When they didn't help me, if they'd have given me that chance, I could have done something too. If they'd let me do that in the church. The Lord brought this to my, 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 my remembrance with force in this past week. He's brought it to me repeatedly. But let me tell you, so everybody knows what's going on in the church, we are developing teams. Everybody knows that? We believe in serving God. We believe in serving people, right? But understand this. The Scripture says, let them first be proved. Right? Let them first be proven. Nobody's going to be doing something just based on their looks or their money. Did you hear me? And we're not going to do something because I like you or you like me or I like the way you dress or wear your hair. I serve the Lord. I've got to stand before Him and give, him, give an account of this thing, right? Amen. Everybody say, first proved. First proved. So, so don't, don't get upset if you think something ain't happening quick enough for you. Ask yourself the question, what have I proven? What have I demonstrated? Well, why don't they use me in this? Well, what have you proven? Yeah. One of the first things you prove is that you're faithful to come. Right? Yeah. You prove that you can get up in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another message. 
Go to, go to uh, chapter 18, and I think I'm closing. 18 is the story of the man who owed this gigantic debt, and his master forgave him this several million dollars worth of debt because he came to him and he asked him to forgive him. So verse 27, Acts 18:27 says, He loosed him and forgave him the debt. You know, that's one way that God prospers you, is forgiving debts. I noticed in the paper the other day that several uh, student loans were released. You see that? For teachers, wasn't it? And uh, that's, that's, that's just like somebody giving you money. I mean, that's uh, uh, prosperity. That kind of thing can happen for you too. But this man, even though he had been forgiven such a great debt, he turns around and he goes out and finds somebody that owed him a hundred pence, verse 28. This is like twenty, thirty, forty dollars. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. He's choking the guy and shaking him. And he says, pay me what you owe. Pay me what you owe. Everybody say that out loud. And boy, this messed him up. Because next thing you know, people that knew about it told the master what had happened. And he called him back in. And he asked him, did you do this? And he did. And so his debt was reinstated on top of him. And he went on to sum it up by saying, if you don't forgive others, the Father's not going to forgive you. Serious, serious business. What do people owe you? What if they've done you wrong? Huh? I mean, they really hurt you. They really, they really were mean to you. What do you owe? What do they owe you? Nothing. That's not everybody. Nothing. See, this is what for, forgiveness is compared to release of debt. When you forgive somebody, it's not based on feelings; it's by faith. Forgiving somebody of something they've done against you is like taking a contract of somebody that owes you money and taking it up and saying, no, I release you from that debt and tearing it up and saying, no, you owe me nothing. Well, even if later on you feel like, whew, wonder if I should have done that. Well, you tore up the paperwork on it, right? They don't owe you anything. If you've forgiven somebody, that's exactly the way it is. They owe you nothing. They don't owe you an explanation. They don't owe you an apology. If you feel like they owe you anything, you're in unforgiveness. And if you won't forgive them, God won't forgive you. I didn't say it. He said it. We can't afford this, can we? What do people owe you? Let, Let me go through this phrase again. And I think I'm basically done. I just don't know it yet. Uh, the, the phrase, you cannot be gracious to someone who feels they deserve it. God can't be gracious to us if we feel like it's owed to us or we deserve it. We can't be gracious to each other if the other person feels they deserve it. Think about it like this. You go to effort. You go to, maybe it took you a while, but you believe for something and you went to effort and you got something for somebody. You got them a present or you did something for them. 
and you bring it to them and you give it to them and you're happy to give it to them and they open it up and they go, well, it's about time. I wondered when you're going to get around to doing this. How'd that make you feel? Huh? That bless you. Why? They feel like you should have done it. You ought to have done it. You you owed it to them. Well, then they completely took away your ability to be gracious to them. Didn't they? That's what people do to God when they try to act like because of my works, because of what I've done, you know, I should get in heaven, I should be saved. No, God owes you nothing. People owe you nothing. Get that mentality when it comes to people. Expect nothing. Be thankful for everything. And then God can be gracious to you. Huh? He can do something for you and you'll go, wow, thank you. You don't feel like you deserved it. Well, they should have checked on me. Well, they should have called me. They should have given me some money. I'm hurting as bad as some other people. You're off. I said, you're off. How can somebody be gracious to you? You feel like it's owed to you. I gave him the best years of my life. And what do I get in return? You're a hireling. You won't pay. You're not a giver. That's not a Christian. A Christian gives and gives and gives. Doesn't expect anything back from people. Just gives. Now you expect a lot back from God. Amen. Amen. But you don't get your eyes on people. You just keep. You give and you give. You give. I've had people recent times tell me, you know, what about so-and-so? You know, uh, they, they hadn't done this. And I said, forget about it. I don't even want to hear it. What somebody should have done for me. Right? I got to get busy doing something for somebody. Because that's sowing seed. And I know when I sow seed, it's going to come back on me. Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. God will deal with somebody. If they don't listen, He'll deal with somebody else. But it'll happen. And I keep my eyes on Him. And it'll come. If I put pressure on people, I'm looking to them. Making them my source. But if I'm not, if I'm in faith, I don't put pressure on people. I just look to God. And everybody say, God is faithful. Say it again. God is faithful. Stand up on your feet, please. Glory to God. We're going to pray for the powders today. And we're going to get delivered from pouting. (laughs) That was a little weak. We're going to get delivered. Yeah, from pouting today. We're going to be a pout-free church. No pouting. No pouting at home. No pouting on the job. No pouting. No pouting. Just giving thanks. Faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you and then lead you in a prayer. Father, I've done the best I know to, to, to get this out, and you've helped me. Cause these words and these thoughts and these truths to, to sink deep into the ears and hearts of the hearers. Expand to them what I did not say or was not able to say. And we receive your words of truth. We receive your commandment of love. We receive your admonition that we're not to yield to these ungodly things. 
pouting and feeling sorry for ourselves. Said out loud, Father God, I purpose I will not be a powder. I have your peace that passes understanding, keeping my heart, keeping my mind. I have your joy that overflows, joy unspeakable and full of glory. In any way, I've yielded to the devil, given place to the enemy, felt sorry for myself, pouted, reveal it to me, show it to me, I'll repent, and today and in the future, in any time that I'd begin to yield to these things, alert me, show me, and I'll stop it, and I'll resist the devil. And be strong and not yield. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lift your hands up and say out loud, we're growing up. We're growing up in the Lord. Becoming strong. Becoming mature. In love and in faith. Pleasing God well in all things. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just praise Him just a little bit and believe that He is changing things inside you because you asked Him to and you are not going to have pouting in your life and self-pity and all these things. Not going to be. Not going to be. We've been set free. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Just praise Him just a minute. Don't get in too big of a hurry. Just praise Him and thank Him. Give Him glory. Magnify His holy name. Lord, we worship You. Oh, Lord, we bless You. We praise You. We magnify You. We glorify You. Praise Your name. Praise Your name. Praise your name. Praise your name. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. We have some great things happening in here this morning. There are some people in here, specifically the Lord says to you, this is your turning day. Things have been a certain way in some people's lives for years and years and years and you just couldn't seem to break out of it and get out of it. But today your eyes are open and you see that you've been opening the door. You've been letting this come in and you see it now and you know it now and you have strength now and you're changing now. So your life's going to change. Your life's going to change. going to be different. I said it's going to be different. We're breaking out of bondages. We're not going to live in doom and gloom. Live in joy. It's not too good to be true. It's not some unrealistic fairy tale. You can be happy every day. You can be full of joy and full of peace every day. You can have the victory every day. Because you're a Christian. You're a Christian. 
Hallelujah. That's, everybody say, that's me. I'm victorious. Every day. Praise God. Praise God. Be seated for just a moment.